Welcome to the Arts Report for May 29th. Tonight we'll talk to artist Connie Coons about her exhibition, True Nature's Child at Turnoff Fine Art, and it's the HBSC City of Bangra Festival, and we'll talk to Marvit Burke. She'll fill us in with the many spectacular events coming up, and what liberates your libido this Friday night at the Museum of Vancouver Get Ready to Get Down at their sultry dance party. We'll tell you about that and much more. Stick around between 5 and 6 tonight on CITR 101.9 FM. Welcome, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. We've got a fun show coming up. But first, what's been happening around CITR? Lots as usual. So there was the Pacific Regional Radio Conference, and it was held on Gabriola Island. And it looked like an incredible lineup of keynote addresses, workshops, camping, and networking. It was very affordable, um, and I really wish I'd been able to attend. But I'm sure those who went had a great time. And we were also fortunate to have Lisa Christensen come and do a workshop for CITR members on interviewing skills. So she does traffic and arts reporting for On the Coast, which is a CBC Radio 1 afternoon show in Vancouver. She's a really amazing lady, and she taught us lots about interviewing, and in particular, the Sawatsky method. So Sawatsky is considered one of the world's leading experts on the art of the interview. And interestingly, he is a Canadian, um, born in Winkler, Manitoba. Um, Currently, he works for ESPN, and he helps them with their interviewing. But in a nutshell... His method method is to keep your questions open, lean, and neutral. Um, Never let the question be more important than the answer. So Lisa showed us some great clips of like the best interview ever, um, which was sort of someone using the Swatsky method about talking to a guy who got attacked by a beaver. Uh, I don't know if I think it's the best interview, but it's a great demonstration of the method. And it is it is funny. It's very Canadian. She also showed us the worst interview. Um, this guy on NPR interviewing the Icelandic band Sigur Ross. And yeah, you should Google it because talking to those guys is like drawing blood from a stone. Um, but he was kind of a little bit snarky. Um, and he asked you know, double-barreled questions. No double-barreled questions. That's what Swartsky says. Um, But all in all, we really loved the workshop. Everyone was really engaged. So thanks so much to the CBC's Lisa Christensen for coming out. And please come on Arts Report and guest host for us anytime. Sarah Buchanan, this is her last day at CITR. Your time here was much too short. Um, She was our training coordinator, and she did an amazing job preparing and delivering spoken word training sessions, getting us all ready for our new SAM broadcasting software, helping create our digital library and our new play sheet. So we'll miss her and her expertise. She's got a great sense of humor and general awesomeness, and she's helped with many positive changes around the station. So she will be much missed. So... So many great arts events came off my desk this week, across my desk this week. I don't even know where to start. I wish I could announce them all, but alas, I will do as much as I can over the next hour. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back with Connie Coons. Movies are a great way to understand the culture and thought process of a generation. And the 7th Annual Taiwanese Film Festival is taking place at the Downtown Vancouver International Film Center from June 14th to 16th. It will be featuring some of the best Chinese films from the small island of Taiwan. 
come and experience a different world and get to know more about the many groups of people living in this awesome city. For more details, please visit TWFF.ca. Again, that is TWFF.ca. Hi, we're back. So, I talked to Connie Coons today. She's a friend, and she works as an artist, writer, journalist, and broadcaster who recently moved to Salt Spring Island. And an exhibition of her photographs opened on May 27th and runs until June 15th at Chernoff Fine Art. Um, so she's been taking photographs since she was in elementary school. Um, and later, as she grew up, she was influenced by life magazines and photographs coming out of the Vietnam War. So she worked primarily in the music scene, and she photographed the people she interviewed. Um, privately, she's always photographed things on the road. And I love that idea of the road and the freedom, hitting the open road. As long as there's a five-star hotel at the end of the day, I'm game. Uh, but her show is called True Nature's Child, and it was curated by Brad Chernoff and Casey Marchand for Brad's 50th birthday in the shared spirit of their easy rider fantasies. So it was the result of many spontaneous conversations between the three of them, recalling the beauty and risk they encountered while searching for adventure. So we had a great talk, uh, Connie and I, today, and I'll just play it for you now. the show is about at the Chernoff Fine Art? Well, we've called it True Nature's Child. And if you're familiar with the song Born to be Wild, then uh, in your mind you would be certainly going with the next set of lyrics. And it's a show about motorcycles and sort of more generally about adventure, the open road. And it, it has two uh, particularly large pieces. I think they're Oh, good Lord, um, they're maybe, oh, four by, four by six feet. You know, they're quite large. One was taken in 1980, and one was taken in 1968, and it features sort of like two variations of people on their motorcycles, as well as some photographs of, of um, the open road, simply that, of me, um, in the back of a van, in 1970 when I was picked up hitchhiking outside Oxnard, California. So you sort of get the idea. So what does the open road mean to you? Well, um, I mean, for sure it means freedom. And I think uh, with women, it always meant something, you know, way more, way more adventurous, way more dangerous, way more exciting. Men have always assumed, you know, sort of that their rights on the road but for women, it was really breaking a mold, you know, to sort of get out there and to to move, you know, move beyond what's expected of us. Some women travel, they travel everywhere they want to go practically. But back in the day, it wasn't so common. But, uh, oh, my God, I mean, the absolute freedom, the spontaneity, the mystery of never knowing what was coming next. And hopefully in these photographs, um, some of that comes out. Yeah, the idea of open spaces. And I know you make a yearly trip to Nebraska, your home state. Yes, and it is never, ever um, short of places to take photographs, I'll tell you that. Uh, and some of the photographs that are featured in the this, in this show at the Chernoff Gallery uh, actually is a photograph of Deadwood, South Dakota, taken in, I believe, 1984, uh, a picture of the road leading into Monument Valley, Utah, which was also from 84. There's a, there's a really exciting picture that was taken in 1968 
and it was one of my first, you know, really exciting motorcycle pictures. In fact, it was the first motorcycle picture I ever took, and that's there on display. Wow. And so you mentioned that you took rock photos and did interviews. Oh, I was, um, I had a radio show for 15 years on co-op radio called Ruby Music, and I focused on the contributions and the history of women in music. And throughout my 15 years, and maybe, well, I wrote for the Georgia Strait for about five years after that or during that period, but I took lots of photographs of the musicians that I interviewed and musicians that I, whose concerts I emceed. And down the road, I hope to have um, those photographs on display somewhere. They're not part of this particular show but hopefully they will be in a show. And I have about 60 black and white, including photographs I took uh, at Etta James when I emceed a concert at the Town Pump many years ago. So I'm really excited about those photographs, too. Yeah. Any other artists that you took pictures of? That Oh, good Lord. Well, some of my favorites, um, um, Ellen McElwain. Uh, there's a, there was a musician named Elaine Steff, and she's actually uh, playing still in Vancouver all these years later and I have she was um, oh good God I think she's in a well I won't even hesitate I will hesitate to think of what band she was in because at this very moment it slipped my mind but these were legendary bands you'd think I could remember at this exact moment but um, I have a picture of of Joe Keithley uh, Joey Shithead who's meeting Arlo Guthrie and Pete Seeger for the first time and he used one of those in his latest book um, on DOA and a beautiful um, photograph of a guitar maker, a woman in Toronto. It's, well, it just goes on and on. Angela Davis, photographs of Angela Davis singing with Faith Nolan um, at, a, at a concert in Toronto. Some pretty obscure stuff that, that really represents an amazing history. Yeah, that sounds very cool. And you like cameras. You like vintage cameras. Well, my first camera uh, I got in elementary school, and it was... Uh, a Kodak Reflex um, 20 made by Brownie. And my parents actually have a, a photograph of me as a real-life baby in a little baby carrier with uh, with the Brownie camera. Obviously, I wasn't taking pictures but uh, with their Brownie box camera. But I've been taking photographs my whole life. And uh, I switched to digital in 2010 and, you know, I mean, it's okay. It's okay. Lately, I've been shooting with the G11. But I had a Pentax Spotmatic F for over 40, well, almost 40 years. I don't want to date myself too much. But there's nothing like film. To me, there is nothing like film. So what is your current sort of passion or interest, like, in taking photographs right now? Well, I still love, um, I still love the open road. But I've done two slideshows at my husband David Wisdom's uh, um, culture series at the VAG. And the very first one I did really was my view to the open. It was a little more complicated, and it was, uh, had to do with how we memorialize ourselves. And it included uh, people with tattoos, roadside memorials, billboards, all the ways that in this society we are leaving our mark or attempting at least to say, hey, I'm here, look at me. Um, I'm getting ready to work on a, a show uh, for him this summer in for his July show. And I think it's just mostly going to be on um, kind of hokey, but on people reaching out. 
Friendship. Yeah, <laughs> connecting. <laughs> now, I think it was last year I got a message from you asking for my address. And I thought, oh, they're having a barbecue. But it wasn't that, was it? It was an no, interesting... No, Fourteen postcards in the mail. <laughs> yeah, so it was kind of a performance art in a way. Tell me about that. Well, what I did was I had a series, as you know, of fourteen postcards, and each postcard was one of my photographs, and it represented different facets of anybody's life. Um, uh, and the, but more specifically, what I was responding to was the sort of convention that exists today of how people are always tweeting and blogging and photographing every little aspect of their life, no matter where they are, no matter what it is. And so, you know, you go on Facebook. I love Facebook. For the record, I love Facebook. But I go on Facebook, and I know what everybody's eating. And I know know where everybody is. Um, And so I was responding to that. And so in my series of 14 postcards, they are places where I was. And each postcard has across it, I am here. And it starts, of course, with the open road, which is a totally legitimate place to be. But um, I also have postcards of working on a puzzle, a postcard of the bathroom at Quiznos. Uh, well, there's 14 of them. And, and some are really amazing, like this one where I took the picture outside of a limousine in New York City because I'm waiting for Aretha Franklin to get out of that limousine. But that's that's the theme. I'm res- and, and I think when... In sending a postcard, too, that said, I am here, it's kind of a flip side from the olden days when we would send postcards saying, wish you were here. And that's kind of kind of the opposite. Mm-hmm. Or that I, I loved it, though. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was very innovative and sort of the same idea, too, of yeah, making your mark and here I am and that need to be seen. Exactly. That was Connie Coons. She was talking about her show, True Nature's Child, is currently on until June 15th at Chernoff Fine Arts Gallery. Uh, You can see the show between 10.30 a.m. and 5 p.m. Monday to Friday, and they're also open 12 p.m. to 5 p.m. on Saturday. So there's more information at chernoffart.com. Now, Connie and I were talking about a song to play as part of her segment, and she wanted to play Joni Mitchell, and I'm a huge Joni Mitchell fan. And we talked about playing that song, You Turn Me On, I'm a Radio. And I was like, I want to play that, but it's a hit. Um, So I'm playing it in my mind. But I decided to go with a DOA song because she talked about Joe Keithley. And I think Joe Keithley didn't succeed in his bid for political office. And I'm very sad. Joe, if you ran this country, I think it would be a lot better place. And sort of on the theme of the open road, here is DOA and their song... We're driving to hell and back.
When I was a kid, I didn't have much, but I knew Father's Day was coming up. And I wanted to get my dad something that I could afford, but that would also show how much I cared. So what I did is I got him a t-shirt. It said, World's Greatest Dad, Semi-Finalist. Just for Laughs presents Anthony Jeselnik, star of Comedy Network's Jeselnik Offensive, at the Vogue Theatre, Thursday, June 6th. Tickets on sale now at VogueTheater.com or call 604-569-1144. Hey, Horace, give us three shots of your best bourbon and have that Russian waiter I like bring it over. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Russian Tim and I'm the host of weekly punk rock radio show called Rocket from Russia. Tune into CITR 101.9 FM every Thursday from 10 to 11 a.m. And you can also find the podcast on CITR.ca, iTunes and my blog rocketfromrussia.tumblr.com. Hi, we're back on the Arts Report. I'm Sarah Lapsley, and this is CITR 101.9 FM. I love that Russian rocket guy, Russian Tim. I met him at the um, Lisa Christensen workshop, and he was great, and he's got a great punk rock show. So listen to that. Um, Romeo Dallaire, I spoke about him a few weeks ago, and his his, um, film, Fight Like Soldiers, Die Like Children. So I'm just letting you know, it's playing at the Pacific Cinematheque, May 31st to June 2nd. Now we've got a ticket giveaway. I've never given away tickets before. So what I've done is I've tweeted that we're giving tickets away. So if you tweet back to the Arts Report and you're the first person to tweet back, you will win two tickets to Anthony Jeselnik. And who is he? He is a guy that is kind of a TV star. He's got his own television show, The Jesselnick Offensive, on Comedy Central every Tuesday at 10.30 p.m. Uh, And he also does roasts, celebrity roast. He roasted Donald Trump and my favorite, Charlie Sheen. So I bet that'll be funny. Um, It says here in his bio, he has rapidly emerged as the satanic prince of stand-up, a black-hearted joke singer with a ferocious mind and an unstoppable will to power. So unstoppable satanic powerful that sounds good and you could win tickets to his june 6th show at the vogue if you tweet me so i'll have to uh deal with that after the show but please tweet and we've got more tickets to give away in a little bit so are you excited because it's time to talk about sultry beats the karen flamenco dance company is mounting a production of sleeping beauty and it's on at the Vancouver Playhouse. It's Saturday, June 1st at 7 p.m. And then on Sunday, there's a 3 p.m. and a 7 p.m. show. So it says, Encounter the Enchantment of Sleep. A beautiful princess and an evil witch, Maleficent, in Karen Flamenco's adaptation of this classic fairy tale. So see karenflamenco.com for details. Karen has a wonderful dance studio. She offers classes to beginning students and intermediate. Her advanced students usually go on to dance in the company. I won't be able to attend Sleeping Beauty as I'm going to Victoria, but I do hope to do more flamenco for the arts report over the coming months because I love flamenco. 
I got into it when my sister was living in southern Spain. Um, and this area is the birthplace of flamenco. So I'm sure you know it's a genre of Spanish music and dance from Andalusia, which is sort of the area of southern Spain. It includes cante singing, toque, guitar playing, ballet, dance, and palmas, hand claps. Um, and so it's sort of a mix of gypsy uh, dance styles, and there's kind of like, I guess, different, not dialects, but whatever dialects are in dance and music permutations based on the region. But it's become popular all over the world, and it's taught in many countries. Um, and in 2010, UNESCO d- declared flamenco one of the masterpieces of the oral and intangible heritage of humanity. So I think that's awesome. It's a complicated dance, um, and it's considered one of the most complex dances to execute, not because it's physically demanding in terms of movements or postures like ballet, like standing on your toes and flying through the air. Its difficulty is sort of in the intricate 12-beat rhythms called compass, and um, so those are variations of 12-beat rhythms with the accents on different beats. Um, So you can sort of hear those in the background there, but I took one flamenco lesson, and it's like your whole body is a drum. So using the balls of your feet and the heels of your feet and your shoes have nails embedded into the sole and you wrap your hands and knuckles on crates and all these opposing rhythms like you're doing one thing with your feet and pounding on your chest in a different rhythm on your hand and that's totally hopeless. Um, But I love the colors and the costumes and the tradition of it. And one thing I find most fascinating is the idea that you need soul to perform flamenco. So one instructor talks about women don't have anything to dance about until they're older than 35. So that's music to my ears. Um, flamenco expertise seems to transcend body and body type and age. Um, so yeah, the other thing I guess that ties into this whole idea is this idea of duende. So uh, Frederico Garcia Lorca first developed this idea of duende sort of drawing from Spanish folklore And he talked about it in a lecture he gave in Buenos Aires in 1933. And so I guess if you think about an angel or a muse, so we think we're inspired artistically by a muse or sort of on a spiritual level, an angel might inspire you in your art or help you in your art. But duendes different. So they kind of conceive it as a triangle of the muse, the angel, and duende is a demonic earth spirit. Um, and so when Duende joins and comes into your performance, it's not that you surrender to it like you might surrender or channel the muse. It's a battle. So you you battle skillfully with the Duende um, and it seizes the performer. So it's a much more intense energy that takes you to the edge, um, kind of like Black Swan. Um So I just love this idea, and I want to kind of keep talking about it. And it's sort of thought to be important in the temporal arts, like music and dance. Nick Cave talks about it, and he refers to artists such as Dylan and Leonard Cohen, and he even mentions indie bands that he believes sort of come close to this duende. And no, I don't agree, Nick Cave. None of those people have it. They're good. They're masterful. They have soul. But that's not enough to see somebody doing it with Duende is like 
I'm thinking of Carmen Amaya, which is uh, sort of the flamenco dancer ever. Um, and she had this sort of animalistic passion. And certainly one of her last dances that was filmed, she didn't see the film come out. She passed away. Um, it was like she she had conquered Duende. She, like, why bother dancing anymore? One of the artists that Nick Cave talks about that I do agree with is Van Morrison. So you see him grappling with this, this intensity and like, ah, he can hardly get it out, but he just digs so deep. And I think most notably, he does this in his incredible version of Caravan in the movie about the band called The Last Waltz. And the story is he was stricken with stage fright as he was to come out, but his manager pushed him on stage and he just went for it. And it's this unbelievable performance. So especially in certain parts of the song, I really see him sort of grappling with that duende so yeah I just you know love that so we'll talk about more flamenco soon but we've got more crazy beats to talk about let's talk about bangra this is another form of music with ancient traditions and complicated rhythms and beats and it's all over the media today the HSBC city of bangra festival it starts tomorrow may 30th and it's the largest Bhangra festival in North America. So there's lots of events in Vancouver and Surrey with international performers uh, culminating sort of in a giant Bhangra dance party down at the VAG on Saturday, June 8th. So what is Bhangra? I looked into it. And it's a lot of things. It's sort of a dance that came out of the Punjab area of India and Afghanistan, Pakistan, sorry. Um, and it was to celebrate the harvest. So that's why it has this joyful quality to it. But then, um, and so it, you know, had musical accompaniment. But as people, younger people started to immigrate out of India and particularly into England, they kind of recreated Bhangra music. Um, and so now it's considered a genre of riff-oriented popular music um, developed in Britain in the 1980s. So like... It's sort of like remix dance clubby music to the Indian beat. So an artist, Bali Sagu, described his music as a, as a bit of tablas, a bit of the Indian sound, but bring on the bass lines, bring on the funky drummer beat, bring on the James Brown samples. So how awesome is that? Um, and you can also do exercise classes, bhangra. And so I'd love to do that. But I talked to Manveet Verk. She's the co-vice co chair on the board of directors for the Vancouver International Bangra Celebration Society. And they're putting on the uh, City of Bangra Festival right now. So she and I talked. She's a busy lady. So it was great to have her on. And uh, I think I kind of did the tried to do the Swarovski method of interviewing. Um, so here she is talking about the Bangra Festival. Bangra is a music and dance art form that can be described in words, expressions, movements, and of course, most importantly, music. Um, it originated in the 14th century from the Punjab regions of India and Pakistan. And then for today, the term Bhangra has actually become a generalization for the grouping of different Punjabi folk dances. And that's where for VIBC, we come in and for BC, we create the city of Bhangra festival annually. So, um, I guess, like, talk about the spirit of it, uh, because you, you were sort of saying, like, a joyful or celebratory spirit. 
Sure. So um, from what I was talking about, the 14th century, it actually started when Punjabi wheat farmers danced and sang songs about village life to help pass time while they're working in the field. So, you know, it was to bring their spirits up, making them happier, celebrate the time of year for harvesting. And that's kind of the energy and happiness and community gathering we want to create um, here as well and kind of carry on those traditions from it. I love the costumes, the colors. So tell me a bit about the traditions behind that. So for Bhangra, it's about being bright, and that's what is resonating happiness and joyfulness too from it. So for the colors, you know, the brighter, the better. Um, everyone always likes to coordinate with the outfits. You'll even see in the festival the different teams from B.C. Um, to New York to California Every single team will have their own outfits, and it's just a, it's even personalization from each team, and that's where you'll see the bright colors encompassing in the festival. So is there any competitions happening as part of the festival? No, we had actually run competitions for the first seven years, um, but from that we wanted to make the festival a little bit bigger in the sense that we have 11 different events. So instead of having it all geared towards a competition we like the format of it being a festival so everyone can come get exposure to different teams different artists so no more competition anymore but it's a gathering for different events um, and in particular downtown Bangra which is an extension of what we used to do for the competitions but now it's become a downtown block party instead so, yeah, there's quite a few events on, some in Surrey and Vancouver. Could you tell me um, sort of the highlights of the ones? Sure. So for Vancouver, um, we're actually kick, kicking it off tomorrow um, with the event Repercussion. So that's one of the most popular events besides downtown Bunga that we've seen in the years. And it's more of an intimate setting. There's going to be one in Vancouver for tomorrow, May 30th, and then also another one in Surrey. And that one is going to take place at the Surrey Arts Centre on um, June 6th. So those are the two repercussions, intimate. Um, they're ticketed events. We've dropped the prices down to $15 this year instead um, because we want to have families come out for it too. And then other key highlights for Vancouver is downtown Bunga. So that's going to take place for two days, both on June 7th starting at 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. and on Saturday all day long from 12 to 10 and other ones that um, everyone might enjoy is there's nonstop bhangra, so that's our club night for Vancouver at Ginger 62. And there's an intimate event called Bhangra on Main where it's taking place at Heritage Hall. And we're going to have that hosted by Music on Main. And we bring together Punjabi folk traditions and have critically acclaimed DSARB headlining that event. Wow. And there's a, is there sort of a gallery night out in Surrey? on on this Friday or? Yes, it's taking place on Saturday actually. So that's working with the Surrey Art Gallery, um, part of their exhibition, Spectacular Sangeet. And we're partnering with them for June 1st, which is called Influx with the IBC Media Mafal Night. And this is um, also trying to bring a different part of the Pungra tradition where it's a little bit ad hoc. It's mashups, hip-hop, dance battles, art projections, to create that influx um, to highlight different parts of Bhangra. And there's going to be, 
like many performances, even including DJ Aslam, which was part of our festival last year. And then for Shaba, the Finland Bhangra group, that is one of our big headliners for downtown Bhangra also. Is there any other performers that are coming in from other countries that uh, are interesting or exciting? Yeah, one of our um, big headliners is Saini Surinder. He's coming from India, and he has a really large following, and we have a lot of people already creating buzz about that. And then from the UK, we have Sunil Kalyan, and for him, he's the one that was behind big songs such as Missy Elliott's Get Your Freak On, even, and working with Timbaland and Punjabi MC. And then we have Gupsi Ajala, also from the UK, coming in. He's going to be alongside Saini Surinder for some of his performances. Wow, that sounds great. So who are you trying to attract to the festival? Overall, we want to bring in the community at large, but we've created different events. So some of them are focused around families, bringing the whole group out, especially downtown Bangra. And then the club nights to track the younger crowds and even for the Bhangra teams to get together at Bhangra Village. Um, for music on Main and Repercussion, this is people that are really into either music as a whole or Punjabi music in particular um, and geared towards more for adults. So honestly, we're going for there's something for everybody and there's different events to make it um, exciting for whoever is really into Bhangra and wants to experience the diversity that we try to create. Thanks. I'm back. This is Sarah. That was Manveet Verk of the Vancouver International Bhangra Celebration talking about the HSBC City of Bhangra Festival. And you can check that out at vibc.org. Now, I want to give you a taste of sweet Bhangra. One thing uh, that made me laugh when I was looking around at videos of Bhangra was there were tractors in them. And I was like, like they were treating the tractors like kind of in the West we you know, treat cars and they were like draped on these tractors. Like it was a sort of sex object. And then, and then when I read that, it, that Bhangra is sort of celebrating the harvest, the tractors made sense, but the newer artists, the current young people doing their remixes, the tractor is still there. So I have a new uh, feel for tractors. One of the performers that's going to be coming is Inder Kooner. His first solo single, Gut Nagni, went straight to number one in the Canadian's iTunes chart. Now, if this doesn't get your hips swiveling, I don't know what will. Here he is, Inder Kooner.
Become a friend of CITR and get great discounts in the Commercial Drive area at Bone Rattle Music Limited, High Life Records, and People's Co-op Bookstore. It pays to be a friend of CITR. To find out more, visit us in room 233 of the sub on the UBC campus or online at citr.ca. Hi, we're back on CITR 101.9 FM. I'm your host for the hour, Sarah Lapsley. So we've got about 15 minutes late, and now we get down to the fun part, the Museum of Vancouver. Now, the last time I was on, I talked about the Museum of Vancouver, and I expressed how amazing I thought the building was, and I was worried, like, maybe Vancouver will destroy it because we tear down all our beautiful buildings but I looked into it and I was wrong the city is very committed to the Museum of Vancouver Um, and it was actually founded by the Art Historical and Scientific Association of Vancouver in 1894 and their objective was to cultivate a taste for the beauties and refinements in life Uh, that sounds nice Um, They built the current location in 1967 as part of Canada's centennial, and it was designed by architect Gerard Hamilton. So originally it was designed only to house the museum, but a generous gift by the industrialist H.R. McMillan allowed them to incorporate a planetarium into the the design. And so a planetarium, it's like a space center, the H.R. McMillan Space Center. I thought it looked like a spaceship, um, but it's actually meant to look like a woven basket of the Northwest Coast Salish peoples. So it's a really cool building, and I think it will last the test of time. 
And next month, Megan and I are going to a play in the theater at the Planetarium. So we'll be covering that. And I really look forward to that. Um, but in the meantime, are you strapped in? I'm giving you a warning. This is sexual content. Stop your ears, parents, children. There is a current exhibition at the Museum of Vancouver, um, and it's called Sex Talk in the City. So it's a multifaceted exhibition that teases out how people in Vancouver learn about sexuality, define pleasure, and respond to particular politics. So it addresses issues of sexual expression, diversity, politics, and education. Not sure how that's pleasurable. Um, what? I don't know what I'm talking about. In a fun, approachable, and thought-provoking manner. Sex isn't only biological, it's cultural. So that's been on since February, and it runs through September 2nd. So it looks like a good show, and um, they've got a lot on it on their website. But they've got a bunch of events happening to promote the exhibition, and one of them is this Friday, May 31st, from 7 to 11 p.m., and it's called the Liberation Libido, Liber Libido Liberation Party, Sex Talk After Dark. So it's a dance party, a sultry dance party, sex comedy, dirty haiku contest, and a toy artifact handling workshop. Um, so you know what? I'm going to let Adrian Sinclair, he's the curatorial assistant, tell you more about it. Um, I spoke with him this afternoon. Um, a pretty various and exciting evening. Um, we have a Coral Shorts art piece, uh, which is called The Insiders, and um, it involves two large, uh, two-meter-wide uh, pink spandex balls that uh, performers are inside, and they move through the space. It's really amazing, quite interesting to see. Um, and then there also will be burlesque, uh, dance party with DJ Ktel, and also uh, they're a pretty hilarious uh, sex-positive comedy duo, um, kind of notorious, I guess, in the scene. And then um, also... Uh, there'll be a dirty or erotic haiku slam poetry competition. So um, lots of stuff. Wow. And one thing that I was interested when I saw <laughs> was looking at it was this artifact handling thing. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot. I, I packed it in there because there's so many sex is such a huge category. So I tried to get we tried to get a lot of different things. So Zorklin is um, he's he's a really interesting guy. Uh, he uh, is a. I guess you call it a dungeon master or a dungeon monitor. And um, he has a, a volunteer organization that um, is, makes it so that it's a safe and consensual environment at uh, fetish parties around the city. So they have a bunch of different masters all trained with like everything from group facilitation, first aid, um, all sorts of things. You can check out their website. Um, it's listed on the Facebook page. Wait, there. he's a real life dungeon master? That's correct. Whoa. And so he's, br <laughs> <laughs> he's bringing all his artifacts yeah he's bringing his uh he's bringing his uh, large toy bag is what he calls it and um and what we're going to do is it's kind of a play on this thing this it's a, it's a play on like a like a sort of museum joke actually uh the joke the idea was that when new museum employees are hired they get an artifact handling workshop and you speak with you have this workshop with um with carol and in the collections and she shows you how to handle artifacts like so you don't break them um and so we've all done this training, and so uh, me and Hannah Cho came up with this idea that we would um, see if we could have like an artifact, a sex artifact handling workshop. And so this is what we came up with. I spoke with Isaac Terpestra of Sin City, and he directed me to Zorkland, and 
and there you have it. He's going to be there, and he's going to be at a table, and people will be able to handle and pick up different fetish objects, and you can have a conversation with him about about them. So. Oh my God! Yeah. I think I'm going to get shy. I won't know what to say. <laughs> well, you don't have to. I think we made it like a, it's a table, and he'll be there, and people will be chatting really informally. It was no presentation. It's during the dance party, so there'll be a dance party going on. And you can just go off to the side with your drink and have a chat. It, it should be pretty low barriers. But yeah, I mean, it's it's not like your normal, like, you know, t- like uh, brochures or like anything. Like, it's it'll be actually really interesting. Awesome. And so there's a saucy dress code. I'm yeah. struggling to know what to wear. So please help me with Oh, I can't help you. I think you, I really think it has to come from deep within. You have to, you have to feel what that means for you. Right. Um, uh, it's because the thing is like, we could have like a dress code, like formal or dress code, like, you know, um, like a certain color or like a certain style, but I I like to make scenes super ambiguous. So that way people don't have any barriers and can just come to the party as they are or, um, or like, you know, dress or you know dress in like a tutu it doesn't really matter so whatever you want to wear really but the idea is just to like you know if you wear sweatpants every day at least wear pink sweatpants or something if you, you know get <laughs> excited do wear sweatpants a lot but it's not clothing optional because it's the museum of vancouver is that correct <laughs> well i mean some pieces of clothing i'm sure are optional but yeah you definitely need to cover up the the, the naughty bits as much as you can um uh, that's that's ideal. But, I mean, we have a burlesque dancer, so, I mean, she's going to do her darndest to challenge that code as much as possible. So, um, But, yeah, we'll have to still live within the reality of Vancouver and, yeah. like, its cultural norms. Right. And so I have a question. Now, you don't have to answer, but I've been asking people around the station, what liberates your libido? And I'm saying just what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Um, I thought about this, and I think it's camping. Camping. That is awesome. Yeah, it's nature, camping, it's lakes, it's uh, skinny dipping, it's it's nature, it's like uh, getting off the grid and into the diagonals, yeah. Full moon, like... Absolutely, the wind. literally too, and metaphorically as well. Yes. That was Adrian Sinclair from the Museum of Vancouver talking about the liberation, libido party, sex talk after dark. Um, so I've been having fun going around all day asking people what liberates your libido. So I've got a few answers from the CITR people. Dan, who has a show DJ Dance Shakespeare, he says any part of a woman's body. Sarah Buchanan says dancing. Jacelyn says Merkins. You can Google that. CJ, house music. Me, good hair and a beautiful voice. Megan, scotch, sequins, and CITR. I think that wins the prize. Now, one of the performers who was supposed to come was Crystal Precious. She is a wonderful burlesque dancer that performs around town. She can't be there because she's getting inducted into the Burlesque Hall of Fame. But she just had the most awesome song, and I just had to play it because it's another hip-swiveling tune of sultry beats. And this is called No Pie For You. my apple pie but together all my apples it took a while i ain't passing out slices like the out of style if you want a big bite it's gonna take a while stop me in the back no pie for you if you didn't call me back no pie for you if your politics are whack no pie for you if you can't do the math no pie for you gotta come because he attack no pie for you you're gonna leave me 
on the tarmac, no power for you. You blame your shit on being manic, no power for you. You say it all, you hear aesthetic, no power for you. This song is about pie. And you know what? It took me a long time to bake my pie. I think it might be time for me to get selective about slice distribution. You try to play it like you want to please me. You've been ringing me like a till. Can't let you get off easy. Sometimes I finally give someone a piece of pie and they take one bite and throw the rest away. No pie for you! And then other people, they'll just eat the entire pie for themselves without leaving any for me. No pie for you! Trying to make it like you want to please me Boy, I'm pushing you off the ledge Let you get out crazy. I just wanna make any sense. Sugar and spice. I know what you want, not getting a slice. You're not getting my paradise. I know what you want, not getting a slice. You're not getting my sugar and spice. I know what you want, not getting a slice. You're not getting my paradise. Is there pie for you? No. <clears throat> that was good. Crystal Precious and her song, No Pie for You. Now, don't forget to go to the Museum of Vancouver. I've got a ticket to give away. So be the first to tweet us at CITR underscore arts report, and you can have a ticket to the party. So I think, wow, we're getting close to the end. I just have another announcement after the 
Museum of Vancouver party, we're going to go to the Discorders 30th Anniversary Annual Fundraising Party. So it's at the Biltmore Cabaret. It's going to be tons of fun. There's Hot Panda, Dirty Spells, Phoenix Thunderbird, and the Hoofs. That's a band, a CITR band, the Hoofs. So that's going to be really great. Um, and thank you so much for tuning into the art, Arts Report. That went fast. I'm still on a massive lear- learning curve, so please. Thank you for your patience. Next week, June 5th, Megan Thomas will be back. She's going to be talking about art waste. So music waste is sort of the overarching festival, but there's also comedy waste and art waste. So she'll be talking about that. Um, And she's also hosting the following week, June 12th, because I'm going to Miami. Yay! I'll be returning June 19th with some cool stuff. So see you then. And I'm going to leave you with a song by Hot Panda. They'll be playing this Friday at the Biltmore Cabaret as part of the Discorder's 30th anniversary party and annual fundraiser. So thank you for listening to CITR 101.9 FM. I'm Sarah Lapsley, and see you next week.